Blog Talk Radio. Before we thought that things would work out in the end But friends are not friends and enemies are so close to me I don't know who you supposed to be So contemplate that before approaching me Hey fool, run that hey, shit, the, fool, fuck run back, that shit the fuck back, man
Peace to the gods, y'all. Let's do this. I'm going to start a little early today. I want to say welcome to the foundation. Um, I would definitely like to welcome you to this episode. Five Pillars of Successful Management. Successful Private Trust Management. <clears throat> Excuse me, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to get started a little earlier. You know, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're used to calling in a little later. But let's do this. So, once again, welcome to the foundation where we understand incorrect information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So, we're looking to correctly apply correct information. Y'all roll with that? I hope so. I would like to start off by saying all thanks, praises, and honors due to the Creator and the ancestors. For without them, we would not be here definitely. I want to say big up, peace, salute to Big Brother Yusuf L. High Frequency Radio Network.com, Creator Extraordinary. I mean, I can't get his brother's props enough. You know, I just can't. A man's constantly working. You know, he's, he's a. He's a walking smorgasbord of information. <laughs> I think that word is funny. But, you know, a man is just, you know, he's a scholar, like modern day scholar. And, you know, I definitely want to salute the big brother, Yusuf L. I do want to invite you to check out welcometothefoundation.com. We got it all migrated. It's all up and running. You can jump on the email list still. You can find the Facebook page. Instagram page. You can also find the Twitter, uh, the PD session. That's for all your invested in your private education without, you know, jumping in any fiat or, you know, bartering exchange. Just download the stuff. You know, grab it all as fast as you can. And that's all. Welcome to the foundation.com. You can also book a consultation and make a donation. At welcome to the foundation.com. I do want to say peace to all the listeners, all the live listeners, as well as I want to say peace to all the live callers. Also, peace to all the live callers. Peace to anybody who's listening on the internet live. I want to say peace to all the archive listeners. I want to say peace to the podcast listeners, as well as those who share MP3s. We all got to get this knowledge and, you know, any any way we can get it is a, you know, viable way to get it, if you understand what I'm saying. I do want to say peace to all the trustees and trustee training, salute, and, you know, all those invested in their private education. I also want to say peace to anyone I've done business with in the private, anyone who sent an email or well wishes or current event and... Anyone who's otherwise added to the foundation. Let's jump this off. Let's, you know, let's jump this off by getting into these, excuse me, current events. But, you know, I'm really excited to bring the five pillars of successful trust management. I think it's important, you know, hey, I put this together, these five pillars. You know, I'm not claiming, you know, uh, you know, what is it? Authorship, 
over, you know, the actual principles for the, you know, I did put this together. I'm not copying anybody. You know, I've been administering trust for a while now. And, you know, I've seen successes, I've seen failures, and, you know, we look into, you know, correctly applying correct information. So with that being said, let's jump in these current events. Look, look at this, look at this. Trump slaps new U.S. sanctions on Iran's metals industry. This is on Reuters.com. President Donald Trump today ordered new sanctions on Iran. This time targeting the Islamic Republic's export revenues from its industrial metals sector and vowed to keep squeezing Tehran's uh, unless it fundamentally alters the policy. The announcement was made on the anniversary of Trump's excuse me, unilateral withdrawal of the United States from the 2015 landmark deal between Tehran and world powers to curb its nuclear program in exchange for easing some sanctions and ours. After Tehran said it would no longer fully comply with the accord, tensions were already high between Washington and Iran when Trump administered the Trump administration, excuse me, said last weekend that it was deploying a carrier strike group and bombers to the Middle East in response to what it said were troubling indications and warnings from Iran. I don't get into, you know, geopolitics too much, especially on the show. You know, you know, hey, you know, you know what this is. This is the foundation. And we understand the foundation is trust and banking. Especially when you're dealing with commerce. Foundational standpoint when you're interfacing with commerce, it's trust and, trust and banking. Hands down. Now, you know, there may be a foundation, you know, under that, you know, contractual law, you know, some natural law, maybe some positive law, some substantive law, a little bit of property law, these things. But either way, moving forward, let me, here, let's get through this. So there's the sanctions on Iran, U.S. to hike tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports, according to the Federal Register. This is on Reuters.com. You can check it out if you would like to. The United States will raise tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports to 25% from 10% effective Friday, according to a notice posted on the Federal Register today. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office will establish a process to seek exclusions for certain products from additional tariffs, the Federal Register notice said. U.S. President Donald Trump said in a tweet that he would be, quote, very happy with over $100 billion a year in tariffs filling U.S. coffers, end quote. I mean, come on, man. That's not some hyperbole. That, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to get into how ridiculously wrong that statement is, in my opinion. His comments followed a Reuters report that quoted U.S. government and private sector sources as saying China had backtracked on almost all aspects of a draft trade agreement with the United States. Global equities tumbled toward five-week lows as the escalating trade fight fed worries about the world economy and investors sought the safety of bonds in the Japanese yen, which hit a six-week high against the U.S. dollar. Bang, bang, bang. Global stocks slip on U.S.-China trade concerns. Bonds fall. Same website, Reuters.com, a gauge of world equity market slid, and the dollar trade dollar traded near break even today over growing concerns about the latest U.S. China China <clears throat> excuse me trade talks and 
as the United States moved closer to raising tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We're hearing about this. Wall Street falls as investors cautious on trade. Intel, the company that does, you know, them, them, them chips, processors, computers. Their stock slid as well. This is on Reuters. The benchmark S&P 500 fell today for the third day in a row as investors remained cautious about the latest developments with regards to the United States and China. Even after hopeful comments from the White House regarding an eventual agreement. A late slide in shares of Intel Corporation contributed to losses in the last half hour of trading. Shares of the chipmaker fell 2.5% after the company's outlook during its investor day presentation disappointed. Wall Street had edged higher for much of the session after White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders said that the United States had received an indication from Beijing that China wants to make a trade deal. China's lead negotiator, negotiator, Vice Premier Liu He, I'm, just, I'm trying, I'm, I'm taking a stab in the dark on that, is due to visit Washington on Thursday as well as Friday. Still, the U.S. government said its official journal, I'm sorry, in its official journal, that it would raise tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods to 25% on Friday. China's Commerce Ministry later said it would have to take retaliatory measures if U.S. tariffs were raised. This was in the news, you know, hey, hey, you know, hey, this is important. It's obviously affecting the markets. That's why I'm concerned. Speaking of which, CNBC.com, six reasons why Trump should not start a trade war. The economy was stronger than expected in the first quarter and inflation is low, making it seem like the U.S. could be poised to weather a trade war. But Don Rissmiller, strategist, chief economist, says it's not really the best time and has six reasons why. Number one, while U.S. GDP growth came in at 3.2% in the first quarter, a big chunk of that was due to inventories or goods and materials held by businesses. It's good, but if you look at the subcomponents, it's not as good as the headline. Inventories aren't the best way to be growing, Rich Miller said. We're going to pay some of that back. Basically, what he's saying is, you know, holding inventory, having a bunch of product, isn't, you don't really want to grow by holding more and more product that you're not selling, is what I'm getting from that. Number two, market reaction to a trade war could remain, I'm sorry, it could mean a tightening of financial conditions, but the Fed is not in easing mode. It is taking a pause from raising interest rates, and that pause is just starting to have a positive impact on the economy. Rich Miller says the Fed could ultimately cut, but it would not do so preemptively just because of concern that markets could be spooked or the economy hit by a trade war. Number three, inflation may be be low, excuse me, but there are still signs it is not dead. Rich Miller notes, he said, rising capacity Utilization, rising wages, slowing supplier delivery times are all signs inflation could make a comeback. The bond market, meanwhile, has not provided much cushion against inflation, with the 10-year yield below 2.5%. 
My man's killing the game right now. He's dropping. Number four, U.S. bank lending standards, albeit still expansionary, do not appear to be all that easy. Chris Miller notes lending standards are a leading indicator for payroll employment. Number five, manufacturing employment is slowing and manufacturing is weaker. United States Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index or PMI, a measure of manufacturing sentiment, is in a continual downtrend following on global weakness. Number six, finally, the U.S. budget deficit looms large. Chris Miller said the intention of tax cuts and stimulus, stimulus, excuse me, which ballooned the deficit was to encourage corporate spending. However, if trade issues are unresolved, that could have the opposite impact and CEOs and CFOs would be reluctant to spend in an environment of uncertainty. That's the big bet we're making on the economy through the tax code, he said. Six reasons. I mean, they're coming up with reasons why this there should not be a trade war. And they're talking about the economy. Speaking of, Amazon just launched a lending service in China while shuttering its local marketplace. The, lo- the new lending referral program connects pre-qualified sellers with a local lender in China, offering short-term loans to help the sellers purchase inventory and expand their business. It's aimed at growing the number of China based merchants who sell directly to Amazon consumers. Amazon is starting with a single lending partner, Shanghai uh, Fuyu Commercial Factoring, although it plans to add more lenders in the future. Amazon may be closing its marketplace, but it's still aggressively pursuing growth in the country with new lending service that could help bolster its sprawling seller community there. The program is called Lending Referral Program, according to a post in Amazon Sellers Forum, which is only open to merchants doing business on the site. Screenshots of the post reviewed by CNBC, Amazon picks and connects pre-qualified sellers with local lenders in China, offering short-term loans to help the sellers purchase inventory and expand their business. The Lending Referral Program is a new program by Amazon Lending. The post said, under this program, you may be extended offers to apply for loans provided by local Chinese lenders to grow your business on Amazon. Amazon's new loan service is the company's latest initiative in China after announcing the closure of its marketplace last month. Instead of targeting Chinese consumers, they're not going to do that yet. The lending program is aimed at growing the number of China-based merchants who sell directly to Amazon consumers, as Chinese sellers now account for a significant share of the Amazon global marketplace sales. The new lending service is important for Amazon, as an increasing number of its most successful sellers and some buyers are based in China, and providing easier access to capital could further boost their growth, according to a recent report by Marketplace Plus. In e-commerce research and consulting firm, over 40% of the best-selling merchants on Amazon are now in China. I figure that's more than doubled since 2016. The primary reason for their success is in pricing. 
as Chinese sellers are able to source products at lower price than sellers in other parts of the world. Man, what? Juzas Kaziukinas, CEO of Marketplace Pulse, although the general Chinese consumers may not find Amazon so appealing yet. China-based merchants are increasingly using it as an important sales channel to directly reach Chinese and U.S. consumers as well as consumers around the world. Chinese sellers have something to offer the shop to shoppers on Amazon, but Amazon itself failed to offer anything to Chinese shoppers that wasn't really perfect, perfected by local players like Alibaba. So um, I'm just, I'm, you know, hey, why, why, why did I read that that article? Just simply because I see, at least right now. There's many companies that are really investing in China. Recently, Tesla said that they're investing in China and they're going to be opening not only factories, gigawatt factories, but also sales centers and stuff. They want to sell to China. There's this big push right now to get into China if you're a company. Also, what Amazon's doing, there's a lot of people. I can see where they're coming from. They're saying that they're undercutting the return of manufacturing to the United States. Um, I just think, you know, Amazon is a company. They got to make profits. If you are, you know, a trustee of a board of a corporate body or, you know, some sort of private entity, and the objective is to grow the assets and the wealth of the actual entity, I mean, if you see an opportunity, you're supposed to capitalize on it in business. Specifically, I get it, but what is that saying to the rest of the world? And actually, what is going on? Now, I'm not getting into some politics and be like, oh, you should be doing this, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at it like, okay, so what's happening? What are the trends and what's moving? And what I'm seeing is stuff is moving to the east. There's a lot of gold being bought over there. Lots and lots of gold. Do the research. Russia, China, specifically. Poland jumped into the game. You know, there's other countries that are just banging and buying lots and lots of gold as they simultaneously drop United States tea bills, treasuries, securities, whatever you want to call them. This is significant, in my opinion, in the fact that multiple companies, multi, multiple United States-based, multinational now companies are investing so much energy and resources into China. Kind of tells me something. You know, do they have faith? in the manufacturing um, sector rebounding here in the United States? Do and are they willing to bet the success maybe quarter, two quarters, a year, I don't know, of their companies on that faith that they have in the manufacturing capabilities of the United States or, you know, quote, America? Uh, It doesn't look like it to me. Smart money is looking like they don't have faith in manufacturing in America, at least, you know, immediate, immediate term. What does that mean with this trade war stuff going on? What does it mean? It's something to think about as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to read anything else from this article. Amazon just launched a lending service in China while shuttering its local marketplace. That's on CNBC. I'm going to move forward. Lyft shares hit record low. Piling pressure on Uber ahead of IPO. Check this out. Last week, if y'all checked out the show, you understand what I'm talking about when it comes to founder stock. I don't care 
what the stock or the company goes public at. The stock, you know, the shares go public at. I just wanted to go public because if you purchase in stocks for two or three cents per share and they go public at one dollar, two dollars, four dollars, do you really care? No, you don't. And you're noticing a lot of these technology companies, if you're paying attention, they're going public at a certain valuation and then crashing right after that. You know, maybe a few weeks after that, a month, so on and so forth. So Lyft went public. Now Uber's about to go public. What do they really offer? They really offer an intermediary between a customer who wants to go somewhere and and someone who owns a car with valid insurance to take them somewhere. And they deposit money in the account. I mean, man, come on. And they're contractors. Anyways, Lyft shares hit record low, piling pressure on Uber ahead of initial public offering. Lyft Incorporated stock slumped nearly 11% today to a record low after the ride-hailing company posted a deep quarterly loss, putting pressure on Uber Technologies Incorporated as it prepares to price its initial public offering. I'm sorry. Look, check this out. I'm laughing because, look, you go public, you got to release the public figures, right? Before you go public, yeah. <laughs> so you can make it look like, you know, hey, we doing our dance over here. And then you go public, and then you got to release the public information. Yo, you know, like, unless they have it in the contract where, you know, the executives have to have to redeem their shares <clears throat> on a specific schedule, basically saying that they, you can't just turn around, you can't accept your appointment executive employment package here, you know, come on as CFO or something, and then turn around and just sell all your shares in the company. Like, you got to, you know, you can only do, you can do 10 million or 1 million within the first 90 days, and then, you know, a year later, you can do another 2 million, you know, just the schedules and stuff. So, you know, I mean, if those schedules didn't exist, I could not imagine <clears throat> how hard this stuff would be crashing. Anyways, Lyft lost $1.1 billion for the March quarter. The company said yesterday, although analysts applauded its revenue growth, yo, you lost more bread. You lost over a billion, but uh, yo, with the latest drop, Lyft shares are now down 27% from their March 28th IPO price, giving the company a market capitalization of about $15 billion. You hear what I'm saying? It's down 27% from the initial public offering. We don't care what it, I don't care, I don't care what it goes public at. I don't care. As long as it goes, as long yo, as long as the SEC signs off on that, let's go. He, let's make this money. I'm telling you, and this is for generations. Lyft's sharp decline since its Wall Street debut will will weigh on investors considering whether to buy shares of larger rival Uber, which is slated to price its own IPO on Thursday. So, you know, that's common stock, maybe even some preferred stock that will be sold after it goes public. But the founder stock, look, man. Look, look, I'm going to move on because I want to talk about, you know, <clears throat> the five pillars. Uh, oil rises 1.2%, settling at 62.12, I'm sorry, $62.12. Uh, after surprise drop in U.S. crude stockpiles. Ooh, surprise. The stockpiles in the United States just dropped. Ooh, we can't find it. Um, so, oh, you know, oil futures rose. Boosted by a surprise drawdown in U.S. crude stockpiles, but an escalating U.S.-Chinese trade fight limited oil's gains as investors worried about the global outlook for energy demand. I don't care 
what you're into on the stock market. Um, I don't care if you don't care about the stock market. I can tell you this. The one thing that affects everybody on this planet when it comes to equities or futures, contracts or whatever, uh, more specifically futures, is oil. Because if you eat, um, if you buy clothing, if you if you <clears throat> purchase goods, anything you know that is not made in your lo- locality, in your local you know area, that must be transported to you. It must usually got to go on a plane or it's got to go on a truck, and they both take gas, and gas comes from oil. Mm-hmm. So, oil prices evenly distributes across pretty much all sectors of the economy, goods and services. Please think about what I just said. Gold rises to more than three-week high as trade concerns unnerve markets. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, you know, uh, what is it? Hate. Uh, cause and effect. Um, correspondence. Uh, gender. I don't care what you want to call it. As all this public paper, you know, notes and securities and treasuries and IPOs and stocks and bonds, all this stuff is trending lower. We got gold and actual tangible wealth trending higher. Gold prices hit their highest in more than three weeks today as renewed concern over the U.S.-China trade dispute and its potential impact on global growth curbed investors' appetite for risk, spurring some demand, some, just a little bit, for safe haven assets. Some in the market expect the gold price to rally. Some expect the gold price rally to be limited with the weakness in equity markets seen as temporary. Oh, you know, so the weakness in the stock market is going to be temporary. You know, buy the dip, buy the dip. Some in the market expect the gold price to rally. So far, Trump's tariff threat has had much bigger impact on the stock markets than precious metals. I don't get it. How, how does... While gold is drawing support from this scenario, investors are not accumulating the metal. This is Carlo Alberto de Casa, chief analyst with Active Trades. U.S. President Donald Trump tweeted, blah, 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 $200 billion. World Sheryl's Tomber, U.S. Treasury Yields. Uh, now let's talk about all this other stuff besides gold going up. Bottom line, gold rises to more than a three-week high. Today, that's today. And uh, we just say, we say, we save in, you know, tangible assets. Look, this is a lot of people are talking about this. Let me, let me wait. Let me wait. Let me, uh, let me do that one last. I'm going to do that last. I got two more. I'm going to do that one last. Uh, let me see. Disney writes down its vice stake in latest sign of trouble. I'm seeing on the uh, other sites, you know, everybody's talking about Disney and, ooh, you know, it's valued at this and blah, blah. And it's looking good, you know, but they're doing this, you know, they're doing this accounting stuff. And, you know, Bloomberg is the only one that's reporting on, you know, in my opinion, how they're actually doing this. But it's because they wrote down um, the value of his holding by $353 million. Um, maybe you understand that, maybe you don't. But Disney lowered the value of his stake by $353 million when it delivered its latest quarterly results today. Vice, which produces high-profile news show for HBO and operates the Viceland cable channel, has struggled with sluggish ratings in a difficult market for online video, one of its early growth businesses. That's what they're talking about. We're going to blame it on Vice, though. The company, which began as a hipster music 
and Lifestyle magazine drew investments from some of the biggest names in media industry under the direction of co-founder Shane Smith, who stepped down from daily operations last year. At one point, the business was valued at $5.7 billion. Okay, and then they're just throwing Vice under the bus. So then they throwing the bottom line, Disney's throwing Vice under the bus while they're getting these, you know, nice valuations. <laughs> Check this stuff out. Bloomberg, I like this. Bloomberg.com. All right. Limits partnership. That's how it's organized. The structure is even interesting. Uh, headline What to expect from US stocks after volatility goes haywire. Hold on, what? Equity traders jolted by the latest bouts of violence on volatility markets can look to recent history for guidance on what comes next. The problem is they won't find any definitive signal. There have been six episodes over the past five years during which the two-day change in the CBOE volatility volatility index exceeded the 6.5, I'm sorry, 6.45 point surge seen in the opening sessions of the week that propelled Wall Street's fear gauge to the highest since January. Man, that was a crazy one. Run on sentence, dog. Some occasions proved the perfect spots to get back into U.S. stocks. Other times, the pain was just getting started. Here's what caused these bouts of market turmoil and what happened next. August 2015, Chinese devaluation aftershocks. It took time for markets to digest the ramifications of China's shock devaluation of its currency. China, the whole market was affected when China, one country, devalued part of some of its currency. 2016, Brexit means buy the dip. Talking about the shock results when they're talking about Brexit. February 2018, Volmageddon, equity euphoria at the start of 2018 preceded the fall and the record one-day jump in volatility. March 2018, shaking off the first Chinese retaliation. October 2018, Powell and trade sink stocks. December 2018, Christmas gift coming soon. (laughs) They all just do has got a sense of humor. Bottom line, I, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that they're, you know, they're trying to control the narrative in some, you know, aspect. In my opinion, you know, and I could be like, yo, I could be just straight tripping, but in my opinion, it's some, you know, attempt to control the narrative. As far as you know, here's what you can expect when markets go volatile. So don't worry about it. You know, hold, just, just hold, hold it down. Last but not least, Trump. Tax returns from 1985 to 1994 show $1 billion in losses. This is on Reuters. I mean, I've seen this. Like, man, this is the biggest thing that's being talked about right now. All right? But look, U.S. President Donald Trump's businesses lost a total of more than $1 billion from 1985 to 1994. Okay, so that's nine years. Okay. According to the New York Times, which said it obtained printouts from Trump's official Internal Revenue Service tax transcripts. The news purpose said Trump posted losses in excess of $250 million in both 1990 and 91, which appeared to be more than double any other individual U.S. taxpayer in an annual IRS sampling of high-income earners. Yo, they're trying to blow the spot of my man on the president of the United States, man. 10 square miles, Trump lost so much money that he was able to avoid paying income taxes for 8 of the 10 years. Over the 10 years, Trump's core business, 
including casinos, hotels, and apartment buildings, lost $1.17 billion, according to the newspaper. The White House did not immediately respond to a request for a comment. The Times quoted the lawyer for President Charles Harder as saying the tax information was highly inaccurate. <laughs> Trump, a real estate magnate, who turned over the run of his business to his sons after the election in 2016, touted his business acumen and negotiating skills on the campaign trail. Trump broke with decades-old precedent by refusing to release the tax returns uh, as a presidential candidate in 2016 or since being elected, saying he could not do so while his taxes were being audited on Monday. U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin refused a request by the Democratic Chairman of the House of Representatives Ways and Means Committee for, for Trump's tax return. Democrats watch Trump's tax data as part of their investigation of possible conflicts of interest posed by his continued ownership of extensive business interests, even as he serves as president. Man, he, I think he threw a lot of stuff in the blind trust. Look, the reason why I'm laughing, man, is because uh, they say they say it in the article. Um, <laughs> the funny thing, he says highly inaccurate. He's, he's saying he lost one point seven, uh, one point one seven billion over ten years, and then where to go? Where to go? Okay, then Trump lost so much money that he was able to avoid paying income taxes for eight of the ten years. Okay, look, <laughs> and then number two, which, which really should be number one. That's the point of running a business, man. You hear what I'm saying? Businesses lose money, man. If you're not operating your business, your corporation, you know, or your entity that's that's um, you know, properly structured, uh, public. I'm sorry, federal and state. You want to operate these things at a loss. Look, um, got an enrolled agent with the IRS. He's uh, an accountant. Attack, you know, uh, an accountant. But you know, he's an enrolled agent. And we call them, they call them EAs, so he can represent. He, you know, he knows what's happening. Hey, man, you about to get audited if you, you know, hey, hey. And he can represent your entities, you know, your trust or you know, um, LLCs or whatever in tax court. You know, handle it. You know, handle it. You ain't gotta technically, you ain't gotta go get an attorney. There's, you know, this this is the two main two benefits of an enrolled agent. I'm telling y'all, man, when he when he did the taxes for the corporate, the only the only now I'm lying. I was about to say the only public entity that I have any responsibility to administer in the public. That's not true. Um, but the main, I guess, the main public entity that I have, you know, any ministerial dealings with, um, where I'm responsible as, you know, in my, you know, certain capacity with regards to the, you know, the corporation to, you know, um, cause the filing of the taxes. Um, or cause the taxes to be filed, and however way you know I so chose to you know contract with an enrolled agent to do that. But you know he said congratulations, Mr. L. The company uh, operated as at a loss last year. I was like, how much of a loss? He told me how much of a loss. We both sat there and kind of chuckled. What that means is the company there's no corporate taxes. There's no corporate taxes. Now they're trying to throw this dude out here. Look. I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't really care about the public, the democracy. What happened to the republic? Remember to the republic for which it stands, but now it's a democracy. You ever think about that? But I don't really care. I don't care about none of that stuff. I don't care about Democrat, independent, republic. I don't care. Bottom line. All I'm saying is, is 
This right here is a play on our ignorance, in my opinion. I just want to call it out. For those of you who understand what I'm saying and know exactly what this is and know that they're trying to throw him under the bus from back in the 80s and 90s, from when he was obviously legally avoiding taxes, which is not illegal, and this is what you're supposed to, this is what corporations were meant to do, honestly. And if you're not, if you're paying corporate taxes, you're doing it wrong, bottom line, hands down. Hands down. Period. Now, there may be some corporate taxes that, you know, you know, are going to be, you know, attached to the administration of a corporation or, you know, the certain transactions or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sales tax, use tax, something like that. But I'm talking about income tax. Look, dick, man. And that's as far as I'm going to go. But those of you who know what I'm talking about and stuff, you, you this is a play. This is an attempt to play on the public's ignorance to proper administration. The proper administration, there's nothing wrong with the, uh, legally avoiding taxes. They even said it in the article that he avoided taxes. Eight out of the ten years. That's the point. Can anyone tell me that that's not the point? So, you know, the other reason is, you know, I mean, in the public, we, we know the game, right? And, you know, I can't, I'm not going to alert nobody, right? So coming at me, especially at that level, they're just going to say something like highly inaccurate. <laughs> or something, you're just going to throw, throw some, some words out there. It's funny to me. It's game to me. I see the game with this polit- politics stuff. I just, I would rather read case law than play, than watch that stuff, though, if you understand what I'm saying. So with that being said, that's the end of current events, y'all. So let's get into this show. Hope y'all can hear me. Hope I'm coming in, crew. And you know, nice and clear. Hope I'm, I'm trust. I trust that I am. I feel like someone would have texted me by now. You know, call me or something. Like yo, you can't hear you. So I just trust that you know everything is good. Once again, I appreciate y'all sticking around for current events. Um, I hope you enjoyed the fact that, you know, maybe a little less music and we're, we're jumping into the show a little bit earlier. But um, the five pillars of successful management is what I'm about to get into. And, you know, the five pillars of successful private trust management, the five pillars of, you know, successful estate management, uh, successful private estate management. I mean, you can even uh, throw these principles in the public on a public entity and probably be pretty successful as well you know actually you would be pretty successful but ultimately you know you know where we go this is the foundation uh, we understand the foundational stance with regards to commerce and commercial transactions you know rest upon trust and banking we understand these things so that's what we're looking at that being said you know um when it comes to multi-generational wealth, this is really what it comes down to. You know, um, we understand. Well, I, you know, I trust that you understand that the, the worst way to attempt to perpetuate multi-generational wealth is through some sort of legislative entity or some entity that's controlled by legislation. Turn it off, man. Turn, turn this off. That is controlled. By legislation because it owes its existence to said legislation. It's one of the worst things 
to attempt to, you know, perpetuate your family private wealth with some sort of public entity. How does that make sense? Public and private does not mix. And we wonder why we're, you know, we are in the situation and circumstances that we are in financially, economically, looking to the public to provide for our private wants and needs. So specifically, when we're dealing with trust management, we talk about trust, private trust management. We all know that we're talking about uh, a private trust. Look, let me digress real quick. Um, I was I was talking to you know uh, a client, uh, you know earlier, and you know one of one of my yeah. I was talking to a client earlier, man. You know what I'm saying? And um, I just want to say this, man. Ain't no such thing as a common law trust, man. I don't care what nobody says, man. Push one if you want to debate. I don't really participate in public controversy, but I will murder you on this topic right now. I don't think anyone can get, get at me with this. Uh, and it's not about that. It's not about competition. But real talk, there is no such thing as a common law trust, man. Bottom line, this could be specific. Now, if I say common law trust, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, he, you know, colloquially, he's talking about a private trust, you know, some sort of, you know, hey. But, man, look, check this out. There is no such thing specifically. As a common law trust, you go in the public and the IRS or, you know, one of these bankers or something, one of these attorneys, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got a common law trust. Well, and you be like, yeah, it's a common law trust. You're done, son. Look, there's no such thing as a common law trust. So, so what is it? Look, it is a contract that exists under the common law right to contract. The common law right is to contract unlimited. So under that common law right to contract unlimited, the execution of a trust contract happens. And due to the common law right to contract privately and the necessary execution or expression of a you know contract or a trust contract, there are certain constitutional protections specifically. No state shall pass any law impairing the obligation of a contract. It doesn't say no state shall pass any law impairing the obligation of a common law trust. Come on, law. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Look, look. I know, man, we live in an era of like hella fads. What's cool? What's not cool? Um, we also live in an area where it's, I'm sorry, era where it's like immediate gratification and we all want to feel good and blah, 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 blah. Look, man, I don't, most people are hear what I hear and I'm cool with it. Will hear me speak and 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 completely or attempt to completely say word for word what I said, due to the fact that how what I said hit them or how it made them feel, they want to reproduce that and be the person who reproduces that in others. To me, that's faulty, weird, egotistical, um, immature, infantile. I, I wow. And, and run around and say, oh, yeah, man, common law trust, blah, blah, because now I'm talking to you in a way to where it makes me sound real smart and articulate, and I don't care about none of that stuff. I want to do business with my people. I say that every single time. That's the only reason why I'm on this network. I'm looking to do business with my people. I'm structured a, a certain particular way. Why? Because I was successful and brought a brand international and was talking to some dude, and he told me I need to look into trust, and then everything went in from there. It, I wasn't in debt. I didn't have no child support. None of that stuff. The only reason why I'm on here is because I want to do the business with my people. 
I'm not on here to be some egotistical dude for you to think I'm cool or call me a prophet or none of that stuff. Matter of fact, I abhor that stuff. People say, oh, you you smart. you smarter than me. To me, that makes me feel a certain way because I feel like you're just as smart as me. You just don't believe. Therefore, you don't tie. Therefore, you don't apply. Therefore, you don't achieve, which hurts me ultimately inside, you know. Because I can only empathize and, and extrapolate how that would make me feel if I wasn't able to do what I'm doing or even attempt to do what I'm doing or, or the, achieve the things that I achieve every single day and the things that I've achieved in my life, which therefore has helped to grow my self-esteem and self-worth. So therefore, I don't care what you think about me, man. You can laugh, cry, whatever, go around the corner so I don't have to see it because I don't really care. Super. People say, oh, man, you're superficial. You're kind of narcissistic. Look, man, look. I believe everyone is responsible for their own life, their own dance. What you do and don't do determine what you do and don't do. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't care what you think. You think I'm cool or not. I don't care. I want it to be sometime, hopefully, in the near future, 5, 10, 15 years, I'm able to come in contact with entrepreneurial spirits that look like me, who understand proper structure, and the proper way to do business, the difference between public and private, and you can be like, yo, I learned it from So L, and look, if I tell you my real name, my actual appellation, and you be like, yo, I learned this from So L, I will smile and never tell you that I'm So L. You see my face on YouTube? So look, there's no such thing as a common law trust, and I'm not saying that so I can be famous and blah, 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 blah. I'm saying that because it's the absolute truth, and I look, to do, I look forward to doing business with you in the future. That's why I step on toes. That's why I do what I do. That's why there's only really three things that you can come holler at me for for Federal Reserve notes. Consultation, trustee training, private family foundation training. That's it. I don't do nothing else. Oh, yo, let me, uh, I want to do, you know, the, the business credit. And like, I'd be like, man, you should just get, in, that's included in, in the training, the trustee training. All that's included. You might as well just get, why? Because I understand the foundation is trust and banking. I'm sorry for digressing a little bit. I just wanted to let y'all know very specifically that there's no such thing as a common law trust. You have a contract that owes its existence to the common law right to contract, which is protected by Article 1, um, Section 10 of the Constitution, which in part states that no, no state shall pass any law impairing the obligation of a contract. If you have the properly drafted, crafted, created private contractual entity it only comes and falls under trust law in two spots, how the income is taxed and how it's dispersed. In any other situation, it is a contract. I don't care. You can say Big Bird told me that there's no such thing as a common law trust. And he's Big Bird told me that. Or you could be like, yo, I was sleeping last night and I talked to the ancestors in the ethers and I realized that there's no such thing as common law trust. I don't care. How you disseminate what I just told you. All I care is that you understand it and it's repeated. You feel me? Understand it and repeat it. Now, I'm not telling you to run up on people like, yo, man, ain't no such thing as common law trust. Blah, blah, blah. We ain't controversial. But understand what people are attempting to say. You stay specific. And if you come across anyone who else who understands that distinction, maybe you should holler at them a little bit more. But, you know, understand that, you know, there's levels to this stuff and not everybody should be able to just reach out and touch you. Not everybody is on the level. You understand what I'm saying? Now, do you discern that or do you not? If you do not, I wonder how much issue you have with your life, with your, you know, 
with your dance that you're doing every day. Each one is accountable. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. One of the main objectives of a trust contract, this is Supreme Court, is to obtain most of the advantages of a corporation, but with the freedoms from the burdens, restrictions, and regulations generally imposed upon them, them being the corporations. Statutes may authorize limited liabilities of partnerships and corporations, but those statutes do not by implication prohibit the creation of contract trusts to enjoy similar immunity by virtue of common law. Do you understand the distinction? I read I read Supreme Court cases. I'm a nerd. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care what you think about me. I'm just hoping that one day in the future I can do business with you or one of our heirs, one of my heirs can do business with one of your heirs and not have to deal with all this bull crap and all this funniness that goes on in the public because no one's accountable and it's not my fault that so-and-so told me this and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it just really, really gets old, man. Contract. I'm going to say that again. Statutes may authorize limited liabilities of partnerships and corporations, but those statutes do not, by implication, prohibit the creation of contract trusts to enjoy similar immunity by virtue of common law. There's no such thing as a common law trust. There is a contract or contract trust that exists by virtue of common law. Right to contract unlimited. I hope that makes sense, y'all. But let's get into this. Look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where am I going to start? Let me start. Because uh, I didn't even number these things. Um, five pillars of successful private trust management. Estate management. I don't care. Number one, governance. Governance. Look, you got legislative legislative entity, you got an LLC, you got a partnership, it's governed by statute. Do you control the statutes? No. Can the House or the Senate of that specific state convene a certain specific session, pass legislation, and have that legislation affect your public entity that you form due to the benefit of a legislative legislative, you know, act or whatever? Yes. I'm sorry, no, you don't have control of that. <laughs> but yes, that can happen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's why most times when you see families that have a family business that survived through generations, it's not structured as a legislative uh, body or entity. It's governed by legislation. Governance. What do I mean by governance? Proper governance. Private governance. Powerful governance. Contract. Number two. Let me management. Trustees. Agents. Administrators. Management. Number two. Pillar. Pillar. Of successful trust management. You can manage a trust. Is it going to be successful? 
trustees, management, who are they? What do they know? What are their skill sets? Are they accountable? Are they responsible? Are they teachable? Are they going to argue with you when you tell them that, hey, man, I think you did something wrong? I ain't doing nothing wrong. Hey, man, why are you talking to me like you coming at me, blah, blah, blah? Management. Or is he going to be like, hold on, I did what wrong? What's me? Show me. Management. The Board of Trustees entering into business dealings. Properly managing the trust. You went to doing the business dealing. Did you execute a contract? Okay, cool. Did you execute a contract between the all of the the individuals who will be interfacing with the trust? Then think about that. We enter into a business dealing. Don't specify the actual terms. Of reimbursement? Do you specify the terms of um, embezzlement? Is the management adverse to the trust? Is the management adverse to the family? Do we understand what adverse means? Initially, if we're thinking in English, adverse means adversarial. Adversarial. Why would we? Have, why would I have a trustee that's adversarial to the trust? That's not what I mean. Uh, adverse means legally, in legalese, adverse party, adverse trustee, one who would be adversely affected if one or more of the trustees mishandled, misrepresented, or misappropriate, or mismanaged the trust. One would be adverse, adversely affected. Ultimately, you can look that up. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be like, yo, just trying to be cool and just saying stuff, trying to get likes or whatever. Talking about stuff. Governance, management. Number three, income. Come on, man. Income. You can do business directly with a bit with the trust. Like you don't have to. Ooh, I got you know I got this LLC and then um, I put the shares and the membership interest of the LLC in the trust. First of all, I don't like that. I put it in the trust. I don't like that. Specifically, we know we titled the asset. We titled the property in the name of a trust. I put it in trust. That's 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 actually false. So it's a it's a false, grammatically incorrect incorrect. The statement. Ooh, so he's anal. He takes it too seriously. I, I'll, I'll chill when I got millions. Uh, when will you chill? Income. A trust can directly do business as long as the the business isn't um, required to have a license. To operate in a municipality, in a city, in a, in a local jurisdiction or a national. As long as there's no license, you can't, you know, practice law without license. So you can't be like, oh, you know, the name of the trust is, you know, um, private, not public law firm. We, we, we private attorneys. 
Okay, cool. You're done. The word attorney is a commercial term. It's regulated. You can't use that term and advertise that that business, that commercial business, without being licensed with a bar card. We, well, y'all, we understand that. We understand the distinctions between what a private contractual entity can do. As far as business concerned on what it cannot do. I hope so. Private trust, you know, I mean, look, last week, check out last week's show. We talked about endowments. We talked about uh, private placement accounts. We talked about founder stock. We talked about, you know, you know, these wealth building and income generating, you know, transactions. Y'all, you should check out that show. Income, number three, the third pillar. Third pillar. Of successful trust management. Income. You ain't got no income. You're done, son. You're done. You're playing. You're playing. You're playing games. Why? Why? What What if something happens to you? And the successor trustees, they don't generate the same income that you did. And you hand them this trust, you know, they succeed to the management of this trust that has these, you know, this real estate in it and so on and so forth that has these taxes associated with it and also has maintenance costs associated with it, probably some sort of electricity, water, utility costs associated with it. And, you know, the successor does not generate the individual income necessary to sustain this this private trust. Yeah, I put my property in trust and pass it down to my children. Yo, you might just be passing down a burden, fam. If you haven't properly structured your entity, your estate, if there is not some sort of passive income come to your estate within the first two years, you better sit down and figure out what you did wrong. Talking about going private. Figure out what you did wrong. If you're in a trustee training, you holler at SOL. Call me. Y'all got my private number. Y'all trustees have my private mobile number. Income. Businesses. Business itself. Business investments. Life insurance policies. Endowments. I don't care. Third pillar of successful trust management. A successful estate management is income. 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 Got property, grow apple trees, sell the apples, income. Is that going to sustain the you know necessary, excuse me, costs and expenses of the estate? I don't know. Maybe it can, maybe it won't. But man, start somewhere. Income is absolutely necessary, which could be a burden for those you know who are W two employees and looking to go private. It doesn't mean it's impossible. Anybody tell you anything is impossible? Slap them in the mouth. Tell him so said, slap you in the mouth, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I, I see the pain in your face and your eyes, and you, you look like you feel real disrespected. But so just tell me to slap you in the mouth, so I apologize for that. Holler at Soap. Critical income, critical. Fourth pillar education. Uh, look, anybody who, you know, I don't care how, how many hours you invest in 
understanding, learning, trust administration. Once you stop those hours of investment, you're an idiot. You're stupid. I don't want to deal with you. If you're not looking to continue your education lifelong as an administrator to successfully manage the estate, to successfully manage the trust, you're playing yourself. Go, go home and go to sleep. Cover up in your blanket. Because you're not really ready for the real world. Like, look, and those people who I went to, I went to high school, I graduated, I'm done. Like, look, I, I laugh at them and be like, ha, 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 yeah, you're right, you know, that's crazy. Now that you mentioned it, I guess I never thought about it like that. And they, they think they're cool and stuff, and they wonder why I never answer their phone call. Never why I never respond to their email. I'm not going to argue with you. Be like, what do you mean you went to college and that's the only school you're going to do? you supposed to be kidding. Man, I'm not finna argue with you, man. Come on, man. I ain't got no vested interest in you, man. I'm just trying to see if, if we align. You know, yo, can we can we handle something? Can we make a difference together? Can you can you learn something from me? Can I learn something from you? When you get to talk to those people, oh, man, I'm done. I learned everything I need to learn. Man, look. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Actually, <laughs> yeah, so anyways, um, you know what? I'm going to change the subject. And I'm going to Hollywood the mess out of you. Hollywood the shit out of you. I call it Hollywood. Yeah, your people call my people. Well, yeah, yeah. And then I can blame it on four people. Oh, so uh, I didn't. Uh, oh, I don't know. The likelihood of me ever seeing you again is nothing. Zero. Nil. So education. Education is very important. Continuing education is very important. Especially law. Law is a continual growing field. Like law is always changing, um, even though there's fundamentals and principles. But, you know, the implication of how private entities and those who administer private entities in face with public is always going to be, you know, a fluctuating, kind of, you know, um, ever changing type situation. That's why those of you and those, of, you know, we know, like, you know, principles are few, processes are many. So if, if you don't have the education, if you don't have the foundation, if you're not continuing the education, you're not going to possess those principles. So therefore, you're not going to be able to come up, you know, and, and create processes or ways of interfacing with the public in your mind because you have no arsenal, because you have no ammunition, because you haven't been continually investing in your private education. I'm telling you, I'm tr- I'll trick you. I mean, you like, hey, you think everything's going well. I tricked you throughout the conversation to answer a few questions that I needed to know. I'm not going to straight up come out and answer, ask you because I don't want you to tell me the Hollywood answer. Yes, in my opinion, I feel like people are used to watching TV shows and movies, right? And most people, when you're talking to them, they don't really tell you the truth. They tell you what think they think sounds good that will perpetuate their image of themselves that they're trying to, you know, show to you. If you feel what I'm saying So be personally To Ultimately You know uh, What is it Complete the mission And what is the mission I'm an, I'm an objective driven you know, person The mission is I need some information What's the best way for me to get this information To you know kind of mask my You know inquisitive You know uh, Attempts at ascertaining the information so I'm not, more than likely, I'm not going to straight up come out and ask you, hey, man, what do you think about, you know, um, continuing education? What do you think about, uh, you know, reading and, and um, you know, reading court cases or, or you know, reading up on, you know, uh, 
the Internal Revenue Code, or you know, what, how, what do you feel about you know learning new sales tactics, or or you know implementing new you know platforms and um, vertically integrating into other different sectors? You know, I'm gonna ask some questions, and I'm a I'm a very keenly gauge your response. And if you're not open to any type of learning, if you if you a Mister or Mrs. Know It All. I'm going to satiate your ego. I'm going to appease and uh, yeah, I'm going to Hollywood you. And I'm going to move around. I'm going to dance, you know, slide, slid. No disrespect. I just ain't got, I ain't got time. So education is a must. If you're in the private, you, you continue to learn. If you're in the private, you are always adding to that private library of the family. The family library. Whether it's the family botanical library. You got to have that. You got to have a family a grammatical library, etymology library, a law library. You have to have this this family library that consists of multitudes of subjects that are important and have um, significance, not only in the family itself, but in the fundamentals of understanding of interacting as the family with the public. Botanicals, grow your own, you know, hey, I grow my own mint and, and, and basil and stuff like that. Pineapple mint and, and these the, the strawberries, man. Hey, hey, why not? But, you know, this stuff is important. And that, that that's all about education. You know, if you if you think that someday you don't have to learn no more, man, you just, you know, hey, sit down, man. Go, go, go lay down. So education, fourth pillar. And fifth pillar, which I think is a very, very important pillar, is succession. All the work that you put into reestablishing your private estate, all the work that you put into into the private contract indentures, making sure that the jurisdiction or venue that was invoked in the contract that cannot be impaired is the proper venue and jurisdiction to invoke. Having the proper stipulations, indemnities, so on and so forth, powers, abilities within the contract itself. Having multiple layers of the trust estate. I got the business trust, the asset protection trust, the family trust. I got the private family foundation. It's 501c tax exempt. And through the way of movement or maneuvering of the certain structure of all of these entities I've reestablished the private state, my family and so multi-generational wealth I got an endowment you know that's kicked back uh, 10% on the original um, donation which you know we received a charitable deduction for when we put the money in there the trust is receiving interest on the deposit um, indefinitely. You know, got the life insurance, you know, the key man insurance over here. Got popping in the foundation. We even got one in the family trust. So if anything happens, you know, because I got a couple of properties over here mortgaged, I want, you know, them to be able to pay off the mortgage with, you know, the death benefit and not have to worry about debt and stuff. Man, I got this. It don't mean nothing if you haven't. Um, Procured proper succession They gonna turn around And go hire an attorney Because attorneys know And we don't know And 
huh? And they're going to show the attorney all the stuff that you left. And the attorney's going to take it back, you know, to his boss and ask for, you know, advice. And they're going to probate the mess out of this estate. Why? Because the successors were incompetent. The successor trustees were incompetent. The first trustee, you know, the first um, board of trustees, very, very knowledgeable. These guys, I mean, and, and there were some sisters on there. They were killing it. Very knowledgeable. They didn't teach the successors enough. They were so caught up in administering the state and, you know, making sure it's successful. And, you know, we got all the investments and we got the life and shit. We got, we got everything. We got this popping. We got to pop it. We had a private placement that got with the Boys and Girls Club. We got it popping. But we negated to properly instruct and teach the successor trustees. So when they came on to the trust that successors, not only are they dealing with, you know, the loss of a family member, possibly a parent. And every time they look at the house or they look at the car, they think of the parent and it causes them sorrow or the Oh my God. And not only that, but I got to administer this thing. I really don't know what I'm doing. That's what dad did. That's what big mama knew. She, I, didn't know, I don't know this stuff. I'm supposed to do this without you. I can't even figure out how I'm supposed to do this. I'm a, so they're going to go hire an attorney, man. Which is going to give jurisdiction to the state. Why is it going to give jurisdiction to the state? Because that attorney, more than likely, is going to have your successor fill out either a power of attorney for the trust or have them named as a trustee and because they're a US citizen or they're acting under a United States regulated industry known as practicing law they have a lawyer bar card that gives jurisdiction to the state because now there's a stake actor that is directly involved with the administration of this trust now it's going to be probated ay 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 succession will be the fifth pillar when it comes to the five pillars of successful private trust management, you can add some, you can take some away. Hey, man, as long as you get the overall understanding so you can ascertain and then maintain your overall overstanding. And know that, yeah, it's cool. Trust is cool. Private is cool. They can't do nothing. I'm powerful. Hi, I'm private. But, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think a lot of people aren't really taking into consideration just how time-intensive, study-intensive, labor-intensive, value-intensive, resource-intensive going private actually is. And really, if you don't do it correctly, there's so many ways we can make mistakes. We got to choose the right mentors. And then we we run the risk of, am I creating a burden for my heirs? It's something that we got to think about. It's something that I feel like a lot of people don't think about. I'm just trying to put it into my common law trust in my 9-8 number. I feel like, you know, um, not even luckily, because I deal with... um, Man, you know, manifestation. I deal with uh, the law of attraction. 
So I don't really get people who come at me with that 9A number and I want to put it, I'm going to put it, put that in the trust. And I don't really get deal with people like that. I don't feel like I attract those type of people. I'm not caught up in the hoopla of, oh, I'm going to discharge a, a Maserati or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got time for, for for wasting time. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. But uh, I, I trust that you know I, I really trust that you gained some you know some insights, some knowledge. You know, you were able to take away at least something significant. You know, from your time checking out this show, the foundation, five pillars of successful trust management. We got about seven minutes left in the broadcast. If you're listening on the internet and you want to call in, because I will stream just a little bit, go over just a little bit. 424-222-5250. You are listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. High frequency radio network. The hottest, the baddest, the the, the illest. And take a uh, take a couple calls. I mean, was that it? I think I feel like I have something else I wanted to say. Did I say everything? Oh, I wanted to throw out a little tidbit. I'm just gonna say it. Y'all can do with it what you want. You know, hey, you know, I'm just I'm just a messenger. I uh, you know, just a messenger. I think maybe maybe the next show I'll do the three essential elements of wealth preservation. But these were the five pillars of multi-generational wealth or the five pillars more specifically of successful trust management which will equally translate into my multi-generational wealth. But um, I, I am, I'm going to tell you honestly, I'm feeling a kind of a certain way that I'm coming up with my own stuff. I'm so used to reading. And, but I have been working on my own tr- trust manual. It's just weird, you know. It's interesting. I love it though. But yeah, let's, let's check this out. Phone lines. Uh, man, what's going on with y'all? Oh, I'm confused. Shout out to Blog Talk. I love I love y'all interface. I love how it just freezes up, and then it just doesn't do anything. Oh. Maybe they heard me. 929-405. Nope. Oh, okay. Two. <laughs> Can I take callers? Oh, nice switchboard. Look at all these callers that I can't interact with yet. All right, so 929, I'm going to have to come back to you. I see you, though. Let me try 215. Let me see this word. 215-13-3. Peace. What is your name and where are you calling from? Peace. So this is Brother E calling from Philly. Hey, peace, family. How you doing? Good, man. Hey, man. Yo, the show, bro. No bars. Bars, bro. <laughs> Good looking, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um... Yeah, really appreciate the message tonight, man. Like I was saying, you was really dropping it tonight. Uh, oh man, just so many points that uh, that got me excited. When 
you was, you know, talking about it like, I don't know if you eat salads or not, but you ever, have you ever eaten a salad and just like it was a good salad and you like 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 man that tastes so good and then you like well it was really good for me too. It was like that kind of feeling. Whole show, man. <laughs> That's what's up, man. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, the information too is like. I, I, like, came up with an analogy. It's like playing the game. It's like we're all playing the game. And we're playing the game against the computer. The computer is called the system. And it's like, this thing so cleverly put a skip button. But you know the part before you actually start the game where you can adjust the sentence and stuff. This thing put a skip button right there where you can, you know, put the skip button right up, right in front, right in front of your face. You can press that. Instead of going down to the little gear that's in the corner, that's the, the settings icon, and properly adjusting your settings, you know? Like when you press that skip button, the system go ahead and just give you, or give you lesser positioning, which you would have if you would just look inside of the settings. And this information here, it's a, you know, the big world tells you out here, like, yeah, look at, look at the button in the corner, you can adjust the settings. You know, you don't have to just be anything. You can actually play the game instead of being a part of the game. And, you know, he's used to that, bro. Right. Nah, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I like that analogy. But, yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, you, I feel, I feel like you're absolutely right. And, uh, the last thing is, uh, I did, I spent some time with that document that sent me um, they had 2018 in the title. Um, you said, you remember or not? You said the document, what? Yeah, you sent me an email via document and told me to read it and get an understanding of it. Um, and I told you I was going to spend the weekend with it. It's got 2018 in the title. It's just, uh, it was on a project. Private. Oh, okay. But I was just, yeah, I was telling you, I spent some time with it, but, you know, get with you tomorrow to kind of Children have to play this game, but you know, no handicap. 
That's the goal, man. That's the goal. Takes yep. a lot of effort, though. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, yeah, hit me up, man. Uh, let's go over it, man. I appreciate you calling in, man. Let me get to these other callers. Let me get up out of here, man. But I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. All right, man. Peace. Peace, bro. My man sounded like he was... You know, on his second um on his second lesson in that single engine plane. Getting his pilot's license. It was kinda hard for me to understand the brother, but that's that's a cool brother, man. He's a really good brother, man. And uh yeah, man, I appreciate you calling in, man. Uh next caller, two one four two three seven five. Two one four two three seven five peace. What's your name? Where you calling from? What's up, so this day? I'm from Texas. Huh? Uh, what's up, family? How you doing? Oh, not too much. I'm uh, taking your advice, breaking my neck out here on a second off the off the clock grind. But I just wanted to give a testimonial to whoever's at home listening that was in a situation like me over the past few months that's just been waiting for a reason to pull the trigger. And it's one of the best things i ever done. You need to be in contact with and follow up with your people. Give us a lot of good resources. So whoever that is sitting at home, they're thinking about it, just pull the trigger on it and get it done. Because you know you got to take care of yourself. Nobody else is gonna do it for you. That's all I had. Appreciate you, man. You talking about trustee training, right? I'm talking about trustee training. I'm talking about getting in the archives. I'm talking about the PDF section. Like if you're just at home listening, you know, casually doing something. You need to get a little bit more involved with your own self. True indeed. And do whatever it takes to get it paid for. I, I agree, man. And but I just I want agree. to give a testimonial because again, I listened for a long time before I decided I was even going to shoot that first email. And I'm so glad I did, and it was worth all the time listening to the information that you dropped and all of that stuff. But I got to get back to this grind, as you can tell, I'm kind of winded. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you. Uh, calling and chiming in, family, and giving that testimonial, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Peace to you, peace to all the trustees. Very welcome. Absolutely, peace. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right, peace. All right. Is it gonna let me keep going? Yes, it is. Nine two nine, I I got you. Nine two nine forty fifty six. Peace. What's your name? Where you calling from? Peace, my brother Saul. This is Sister Yvette. Peace, communities, kings and queens. My brother, that was a platinum teaching tonight. That was the 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 icing on the cake for my brothers and sisters to understand the more of the need to get into trustee training because like you said the five pillars it has to be a mindset it has to be a one to i want to go further but in the process of you going further who are you going to take with you because they have to have that mindset too they have to put that grind into 
So it's not just about going and getting your degree from the colleges. It's not about having to sell a job that's paying the six figures. It's about getting in that trustee training and getting the full the full altitude, I should say, because it's a high that you get on when you get this knowledge that the public doesn't know about. It's a different mindset, a different lifestyle. It's a hunger. It's like when you first learn how to drive. It's that hunger that you want to drive. It's like when you get first get married. That's that first. It's just that first high in everything. And once you get that high of trustee training, you can't get off it. Yes. Is it a sacrifice? Yeah, it's a sacrifice, kings and queens. But it's not for naught. Trust me. The gentleman that called in, the trustee, he knows. He's right. That's the that's the training. That's the training. That's the that's that Sunday grind every day to be studying, to be diligent about what you want to do with yourself, with your ears. What do you want to do? Yes, contract is the law, brothers and sisters. When you want these jobs, you're in contract. When you go to these banks, you're in contract. When you have these credit cards, when you have these mortgages, these card notes, you are in contract for those who are getting rich off of you. Get into contract for yourself. Get into your trustee training because we don't know how long my brother's going to be around. Like I said, it's a lot of imitators, a lot of imitators, and they are coming out the woodworks, but they can't authenticate you, my brother. And the nuggets you dropped tonight, whoever's listening on this line, if you don't sign up for trustee trainership now, don't even bother. If you didn't start off your LLCs, your business, if you didn't get your 9-8 in, if you didn't get your documents in order, Monday's your deadline. You want to play? Continue playing because this is real. You can't turn. Once you enter into that, you can't turn back. It's no turning back. So kings and queens, all the communities that are listening tonight, get your trustee trainership. I'm telling you, it's the best investment. It's better than a college education. It's going to take you from the public into the private, and it's going to be well worth it. When you get there, don't forget about the ones that you left behind. My brother, in the private, I appreciate you. I love you, my brother. Keep doing the good work. They coming. Kings and queens. Get into the training ship. Peace, my brother. Peace, kings and queens. Peace, communities. Peace, sister. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Love you too. Yep, definitely appreciate that. Uh, you know, testimonial. And um, hey, I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I'm gonna pull in one more caller. This is this is my guy who knows the deal. He's from Brownsville. Peace, there. How you doing, fam? I, I, I'm all right, so L, how you doing? I don't have too much to say. Um, she did say something about like the 13th. I just wanted to know. Um, want you to fill people in on um what's happening the 13th. I'm all right, so how you doing? 
Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Absolutely yeah, wonderful, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. You will come might come out there and move out there where you at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. But so listen, yeah, um, man. I'm gonna let you, um, I'm gonna let you, um, say a little bit about what's coming up the 13th. Um, you know, that's only if you know you feel like saying something about it. And um, you know, I'm always love you. That you know. Absolutely, love you and, too, um, family. Yeah. Yep. And I'm gonna I'll let you um, do what you do. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate you calling in, You're brother. Thank you. Part of brother's request. What's happening on the 13th is uh, starting. Was it May 13th? The Internal Revenue Service will no longer issue EINs um, unless you furnish a social security number or individual tax identifying number or taxpayer identifying number. Right now, before the 13th, you can go on the website, you can um, fill out the SS4, send it in, and use a corporation name and it's EIN to another EIN or coming to a halt on the 13th 